If you're able, would you remain standing to honor God's Word, which comes to us from 2 Timothy. I'm going to read just a little bit past uh, the verse on the screen, so uh, listen, listen close and let the Spirit speak to you these words. These come from uh, Paul in writing to Timothy. He says, Remind them of this and warn them before God that they are to avoid wrangling over words which does no good but only ruins those who are listening. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by Him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. Avoid profane chatter, for it will lead people into more and more impiety. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth by claiming that the resurrection has already taken place. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands. Bearing this inscription, the Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. In a large house there are utensils, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for special use, some for ordinary. All who cleanse themselves of the things I have mentioned will become special utensils, dedicated and useful to the owner of the house, ready for every good work." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. For me, the three most terrifying words in the English language certainly are these three words. Terrifying. The words, some assembly required. <clears throat> Why do they say that? These are, this is a, not a truthful statement ever. Have you ever been to Ikea? You buy something from Ikea, some assembly required. No, absolutely not. These words haunt me every Christmas Eve, birthday Eve. I, 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 I see this little word some and I have this wishful desire and thinking that suggests perhaps this may be the one that really does require some and not much or, or hard labor required. Why can't they be honest? You will not sleep trying to put this together. Just say it right there. You will curse while attempting to put this toy together. You will tear apart the manual at some point during this process. That would be honest and truthful. When Paul wrote his second letter to Timothy, he reminds this young pastor that some assembly is required if he's going to be an effective leader. Some assembly was required if we're going to be members of his church. Some assembly is required if we're going to be the way God made us to be. To be a loving spouse. To be a faithful friend. To be a devoted parent or child or mature Christian. We were not created complete because of the fall. Some assembly is required. Let's be honest. A lot of assembly and a lot of work is needed on all of us. In all of us. Back in the 1970s, there was a very popular self-help book that was written and widely read, and the title of the book was I'm Okay, You're Okay by Dr. Thomas Harris. I'm Okay, You're Okay. A few years later, Wendy Kaminer wrote a book that was a scathing critique of I'm Okay, You're Okay, and she entitled it I'm Dysfunctional, You're Dysfunctional. (laughs) 
Now, I think Paul would have rejected both of these books. For he certainly didn't believe that we are all just okay. And that we need to get the right therapy to prove it to ourselves. But he also certainly didn't believe that we are hopeless and dysfunctional and lost. And so Paul is writing to young Timothy to say, I want you to be an effective leader. I want you to lead your church and your people and your household and your friends. And I I want you to have these qualities, these characteristics. We've got work to do, Timothy. Let's be formed and shaped and molded into into an effective leader. This is the theme of this book. And we see some very specific examples here in chapter 2. And the first thing that he says to uh, young Timothy is he wants him to be generous with everyone. Be generous with everyone. Good leaders are generous with everyone. Verse 14, remind them of this and warn them before God that they are to avoid wrangling over words, which does no good but only ruins those who are listening. Later on in this chapter, Paul says this, have nothing to do with stupid and senseless controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kindly to everyone, an apt teacher, patient, a patient person, a patient leader. Paul argues that as a leader, as a member of the church of Jesus Christ, he needed to be set apart, he needed to be different, he needed to lead everyone, he needed to become a worker approved by God is the way he says it. We live in a very divided, partisan age, do we not? It's tiresome. It's quarrelsome. We need leaders of the church of Jesus Christ who when people enter the door for the first time and say, "Um, I'm a Democrat, you say, well, welcome. We're glad you're here. Are you ready to start worshiping God with us? We we worship this king. Or when they arrive and say, "I'm I'm 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 a Republican, we say, oh, great, you're welcome, come. We would love to have you worship the risen Savior with us. We need leaders focused on things that are eternal and matter and apply to everyone. Maybe you heard the story. There was a man who was about to jump off a bridge. And another man walked up and tried to dissuade him from committing suicide. And so he started up a conversation, told him that God loved him, and, and, and just started to kind of engage him. And the man responded back. And so the man asked him, he said, well, are, are you a Christian? Are, are you um, a Jew, Hindu? What, what's your religion? And the man who was going to jump said, I'm a Christian. He said, well, me too, small world. Protestant or Catholic? <laughs> he said, Protestant. Me too. What denomination? He said, Baptist. Me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? (laughs) He said, Northern Baptist. Oh my goodness, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. Well, this is absolutely amazing. I am too. I am too. Now, are you a Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist? Or Northern Conservative Reformed Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Fundamental Baptist. Well, this is absolutely remarkable. Now, 
Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes region or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Eastern region? He said, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes region. Miracle. Absolute miracle. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lake region, Council of 1879? Or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes region, Council of 1912? He said, well, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes region, Council of 1912. And the man said, you are a heretic, and pushed him off the bridge. <laughs> Paul says, do not be quarrelsome. <laughs> do not divide the church. We need leaders like Jesus, gentle, attractive, and lover of all kinds of people. Jesus loved tax collectors, zealots, in his leadership circle, he had uneducated fishermen, prostitutes. Paul says, Timothy, don't be quarrelsome. Be generous with everyone you meet, all image bearers of God. And then he says, be confident with everyone. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. You know, there's a, a wonderful hymn that we sing sometimes by Franny Crosby. And she wrote these words. She said, all the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. There's a phrase in here that I absolutely love that we sing, divinest comfort. It's kind of an odd put together of two words, divinest Comfort. You know that word comfort, it's, it's built from the Latin word fortis, which means strong. To comfort others is literally to make them strong. It is to build a fort around them so that they may withstand anything that comes, any threat. We've lost that sense of the word in our culture. Comfortable has been Degenerated into comfy, as in a comfy chair. We speak of creature comforts. We usually mean something that makes us softer rather than stronger. But from the Bible's perspective, comfort comes when we know that God has built a fortress around us. Leaders in the church of Jesus Christ need to remind us of that constantly. There are many enemies. There are many threats. There are many occasions to have anxiety and fear and worry. We need leaders who are confident. Confident. Divinest comfort. They know in their hearts that whatever befall, they can be confident and strong. Not arrogant, not proud, but deep down they know there's a comfort there.
a, a, a strength there. This is the sort of comfort that goes far beyond saying there, there to a crying child. Heavenly peace, divinest comfort. It gives people of faith the strength to go on. It's the kind of leaders we need who are confident, who are not swayed, who are not easily pushed to one side or the other, or when the news comes down, they, they, they don't overreact. They, they have a, a peace about them, a confidence. Yes, this may be happening. Yes, this may happen. But God is good. God's promises are sure. He never lets go. Our strength can be found in Him. We need leaders who are confident with everyone. We also need leaders that are useful to everyone. Useful to everyone. Paul uses an analogy, and he, he likes to use them, and he's used several in this letter. He says, in a large house there are utensils not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for special use, some for ordinary. And he says in verse 21, all who cleanse themselves of the things I have mentioned will become special utensils, dedicated, useful to the owner of the house, ready for every good work. Now, if you came to our house, the Beard House, and you did an inspection of our, our glasses or our plates, our dishes, our utensils, you would discover something interesting. In one corner, we have the really fine stuff, right? The stuff we got for our wedding, the china. I probably shouldn't call it stuff. That's probably wrong. The good china we have there, right? Now, we do not bring that out very often. And, and I'm usually, when we do, I'm scolded because I, I put it in the dishwasher and I'm told that, that's absolutely wrong. These are special. You can't do that. So they come out on Thanksgiving maybe when we have people over, but we don't get to see that very often. Then we have another category that is kind of the, what do we call it, the everyday, everyday dishes. And we use those frequently. But did you know there's actually a third category? Do you have this in your house? That's that one cabinet that has the, the cup that you got at McDonald's 10 years ago that's sitting there, right? Uh, we have the Harkins cups at the movie theater, right? We save those because you get free refills there. Those are what we call, I mean, we don't even have a name for those kind of utensils. But what happens if you come visit our house and we put those out? Does it mean that you're not very special? Actually, what it means is your family. What it means is you're loved. <laughs> We're caring for you. We're comfortable. Everyday, ordinary. This is a little bit of what Paul is talking about. And he says good leaders will cleanse themselves so that they'll be useful utensils for every occasion. All who cleanse themselves of the things I mentioned will become special. Meaning ordinary, ordinary, torn, ripped, the ones that have chips or the paint is peeling, the ones that have been overused, they can be special. And they can be useful. 
And Paul's talking about confession as a means of cleansing ourselves. One of the goals of worship is to help you find the bridge between you and God. That is why we begin our worship service with a prayer of confession. It's a time when we speak words of truth. First John, we read, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we would confess our sins, He will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We do not dare come into the house of the Lord looking for a word of hope without first confessing, getting cleansed so that we will be useful Because we've spent all week long playing God, thinking we could clean ourselves, thinking that we could save ourselves, thinking that we could be a leader on our own, that we could do this, or thinking that we are more than ordinary utensils. The best leaders are ordinary in the sense that they have scratches and scars and they let them be seen. They let them show. They lead through their wounds. They are well acquainted with sin and forgiveness. And they share their shortcomings. They share them. They lead through them. The the best leaders in the church of Jesus Christ are those who have a a, a wound or a limp, who have been through the the valley, who who have had seasons of grief or bereavement, and and they come through that and they're able to lead Not on their own strength, but they have learned to trust on the strength of the Lord. And therefore, they become useful to everyone. A leader that has never had a moral failing, or claims to have never had a moral failing, or has never gone through anything, isn't all that effective because I can't relate to them too well. What I need is someone to say, let me tell you what I went through. Do you know this? Have you gone through this? Because I have. They're humble. They're kind. They're not proud. Useful to those who have fallen and need help getting back up. Years ago, I was serving in a church as an associate pastor. And we were starting a building program at the church, a big building program. We were building a gymnasium and all kinds of things. It was a huge endeavor. And so the the session sent myself and another staff member on a fact-finding trip to go see other churches and what they've built and how... Um, what, what they learned through the process. And so uh, myself and this other staff person, we flew to this large city, and they had two big Presbyterian churches there in this town. And so we had one day planned where we were going to visit both of them, one in the morning and then one in the afternoon. So we went to the first church in the morning, and it was quite impressive. And the pastor met us, and he talked a lot about all of his accomplishments He couldn't wait for us to go see the new office that he had built for himself. And it was a mahogany boardroom. And it was, you went down this, this, the whole thing was his office, a mahogany boardroom, big doors open up, and then we went into his office. Wow, it was impressive. And he said, oh, just wait. There was another door that went into his private secret office, and his library was over here. Wow. And then after that, he took us to have lunch with his private chef. We don't have a private chef here. No, we've never had a private chef. He, I mean, he just went on and on and on. And then we had lunch and he talked about how much he has done for this church and how during his time it's grown and on and on. Just kept going. 
We left, and then we went and drove across town and went to another very large Presbyterian church. We walked into the office, and we said, we're here to see the pastor. Is he available? And she said, well, go down this hallway. Um, keep walking. There's, there'll be a classroom down there, and you'll find him there. So okay. We walked down, and there was a preschool there, and we came to the classroom, and we saw this pastor who was in his 60s sitting on all, floor, all fours on the floor with preschool children on his lap, and he was reading them Bible stories. And when he finished, he turned to us and he said, come on in, I want you to meet John. Do you know that he scored a goal in soccer this week? This is, this is Lucy, and she is such a good artist. It's amazing. Now again, this was a, an incredibly large church. The contrast was amazing. The leadership was marvelous, was humble, kind, useful to everyone, generous. When we talked to him, all he could talk about was how good his staff was and how good God was and how blessed he was to be a part of it. Friends, we need more leaders like that. We need leaders who are confident, strong, useful to everyone, generous, welcoming with all. Are you not tired of the loud and proud celebrities that say, look at me? Are you not? We need humble yet confident servants who say, look at him. Let us pray.